0: Hey everyone, my name is Jason West, and this is PodClass. I want to start out this week letting you know straight out of the gate that I have some good news and some bad news to share. But I'll also have some more good news to share after the bad news, so it'll be kind of a good news, bad news, good news sandwich of sorts. The good news? Today's episode is a really good one, you guys. My guest, Jacob Roder, is a Teach for America alum who is about to begin his third year of teaching in Memphis, Tennessee, He's originally from Los Angeles, and his mom has been involved in education for um, decades. Uh, He's also a really great guy who's always been pretty smart, sweet, kind of shy, never afraid to be honest. How do I know so much about Jacob, you're probably wondering? Oh, well, funny thing. Uh, I had him as a student when he was in 8th grade. Yikes. Uh, If you'll excuse me, I suddenly feel the need to stock up on Boniva and AARP magazines. In our interview, we talked about Jacob's experience in Teach for America, also known as TFA for those who are all about that acronym life, how he got started in education, the ups and downs of being a first-year teacher, and why, at the end of the day, everyone should teach themselves how to cook at least one good meal. Now, this interview is a little less loose than most of my interviews for two reasons. One... Jacob was extremely honest and revealing about his experience as a first-year teacher. Frankly, I was amazed by his bravery. I don't think at his age, after only two years of teaching, I would have been as honest and open about my first-year struggles. The second reason is that, as I'm sure you're already picking up on in this intro, I got a little gushy over the fact that this shy little kid has now become this grown-ass teacher man. My emotions clearly overtook my need to be funny. Eh, sue me. Okay, now for the bad news. I pre-recorded about four other interviews after this one. The way the scheduling worked out, they just kind of happened one after the other. What I didn't realize is that one of my brand new beautiful microphones started to go bad. Not really sure why it happened, but it did, and it created an echo during the recording. I tried to fix it as best I could in post-production, but it's not exactly up to the standards I want to maintain for this show. But the final good news is that, hey... After I realized the problem was my microphone, I went ahead and replaced it with a new one, and now it sounds fantastic. I mean, just listen to the beautiful, brown, dulcet tones of my voice. And bonus good news, like a pickle on a good news sandwich. The shows with sub-perfect sound quality are absolutely overpowered by the fantastic guest interviews. I'm telling you, I've got some really good ones coming up. The scope of guests just keeps getting bigger and bigger. So there's my good news, bad news, good news, good news sandwich. And uh, now that you've had your meal, you can have your dessert. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Desks in Rows. Desks in Rows, making taking one and passing the rest back all the more possible. Um, Okay, so, hey, uh, welcome to the show. How's it going? Good, how are you doing? Uh, Thanks for coming. So, uh, I've already sort of explained to the audience that you are a former student of mine. Mm -hmm. I had you all the way back when you were in middle school, and now you are how old?
1: I am 25.
0: Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, I I do not feel like I have aged that much, Uh, and yet, here we are, what, 10 12 years later? Uh,
1: 10 years later. Good God.
0: Uh, Quite the journey going from middle school to now you're... Teaching middle school. Yeah, teaching (laughs) teaching middle school. Exactly. Uh, When, Around when did you sort of come to this conclusion that you wanted to get into education?
1: Um, Probably my junior year of high school. I had really amazing teachers in middle school and high school.
0: You're uh, just saying that because I'm here. Yeah. But I appreciate <laughs> <saying> that. I'll, <laughs> I'll pay you later.
1: <laughs> pretty much throughout my entire like, upbringing. And mm-hmm. um, and I your can, mom's a teacher. Yeah. Well, my mom's a speech pathologist, yeah. but she worked in uh, at classrooms for a long time before I was born, and then uh, did private practice a little bit, and then now it's back in the classroom. Freshman year of college, I kind of decided okay, I wanted to teach for America, um, and, but then I just kind of did my college thing. And my thinking behind doing Teach for America was that if I want to go into education, I want to be in a position where I'm doing as much good as I possibly can. And that was my reasoning behind joining initially.
0: Tell us about the process, because I've heard, you know, we, we hear all these stories that it's one of the hardest things, it's harder to get into TFA than it is to Harvard, things like that walk us through the process because a lot of people who don't really know, you know, what it is. Did, did you, um, have to f- write a lot of essays? Did you have to, uh, answer riddles? Did you have <laughs> to, uh, pay off politicians? What was the whole process?
1: Yeah. So, um, how the process works is that there are different application periods. So mm-hmm. let's say I applied in like the second or third application period, uh, whatever. So you have, you turn your application, and if I'm remembering correctly, you can also check the Teach for America website. I'm sure it has more information than I have. But you do some essays and you fill out some stuff, send a resume and a cover letter. And then if you get through the first round, there's a second round, which is a uh, phone interview. Mm-hmm. And so I did the phone interview. And there's a third round, which is e- either an online interview or an in-person interview. And so I did my, since I went to college at, at the University of Puget Sound and to in Tacoma, Washington, I did my interview mm-hmm. in Seattle at the TFA office. Beautiful area. Office there, yeah. Uh, and so I had my in-person interview, which consisted of a group interview and then a an in-person, uh, sorry, one-on-one interview. Mm-hmm. And part of that is you teach like a three-minute lesson on whatever you want. So
0: it was your lesson.
1: Yes. Uh, so my lesson was on the layers of the earth um it was the you know the different layers the earth the core right the uh, mantle the crust and I did the different parts of the mantle so the lithosphere and the ethnosphere um did you use like a
0: layer cake you bring up I this is part bribery part
1: I wish what I did is I just had a big whiteboard (laughs) I went through and I had a little worksheet where they labeled it and they colored it in so it'd be like elementary school and each one was a different color
0: did you feel high-pressure nerves because you were performing because had, had you ever taught anything before that moment so <laughs> to to that i
1: <laughs> my junior so i was a camp counselor okay uh all of college and and i feel
0: like the percentage of teachers who were camp counselors in their life is maybe a hundred percent Like, and it was just so one of that, those yeah. things we're just drawn to in that world
1: yeah uh and then also i was a um in my fraternity in college i was the member educator so i did course you stuff on that uh which is so completely different from teaching in actual sure. classroom nothing is like no. that uh, how
0: many people were you teaching it was one person
1: in the in the room the interview, were you doing, yeah, yeah. it was there, there i think there were like two or three tfa people mm-hmm. and then there were like eight or nine other applicants oh so you were the other applicants were your class it was like american
0: auditions but with, yeah <laughs> exactly
1: With the people who just bombed uh, yeah and i thought mine was really bad because i misspelled a word while I was doing it.
0: Um, <laughs> That's going to happen.
1: But I got in. and so Nice. Yeah. And the interview process was stressful, but uh, since it's something I really wanted to do, um, I did it and it was nice. I was able to do the interview process all during my first semester of, co- of my senior year of college.
0: So, okay. So then, because I know a little bit about the TFA experience. I uh, worked with Teach for America mm-hmm. students in their that summer yeah, it's like sink or swim, exactly the Institute. Um, and I was sort of the, the teacher that guided them Mm -hmm. at my school site. So I know a bit about, but I don't exactly know how it works for you. So you get accepted. How long is it until you go into Institute? Like what's that, how, what's the length of time? Do they let you know?
1: So it depends on when you applied. So Mm -hmm. for me, I found out that I got in, um, in January of my senior year of college and then so then I had I got into Teach for America in Memphis mm. and I had to be in Memphis
0: so you knew by January that you were going to Memphis yes
1: so okay. I knew very early on yeah, yeah that I was going to Memphis and then I do you know how too. they
0: chose where you go um or they just so sort of they have <laughs>
1: It's actually changed. Um, So I don't know what it is now. Sure. I know it's different. When my friends explain it to me and I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But how it was when I did it is that they give you basically a map on the, when you do your first round of application or the Mm -hmm. second round and you put, you like. You rank. Yeah, your top five, like bottom three and like middle five.
0: Bottom Uh, three, Alaska. I've, Alabama.
1: For my bottom three, I basically I don't remember what I put, but I I think I put LA as one of them because I grew oh. up, I grew up here and I Fair enough. Uh wanted to experience something new. And and, what, and
0: you where'd you rank Memphis? Memphis
1: was my number three. Okay. Yeah. Behind um Washington State and Chicago.
0: Why oh okay. Why why Memphis? What drew you um,
1: to Memphis? <laughs> I don't know. I just big Justin Timberlake saw down. the <laughs> Name, and I looked it up, and I was like, oh, Memphis sounds like a cool city, and I <laughs> did it, and ended up moving to Memphis knowing no one, and Perfect. for America there.
0: Perfect, okay, so you find out in January that this the one area that you completely randomly chose, that is where you're, you will live for the yes. next two years, you go there. Yes. Describe the people who are in your program.
1: Yeah, so I'd say the majority of the people that did that are in my core mm-hmm. year like the like 2016 core so it's sure. the year you enter it Right. Um. where recent college grads they either graduated that year in 2016 or in 2015 or 2014 so recent college grads mm-hmm. there are also a few career changers uh, some people that had been in the classroom before and oh. wanted to move somewhere else there were some older people that were in finance or other jobs right. and then um, there are also just some people that You know, veterans in the military, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But the majority were recent college grads.
0: Now, one of the biggest knocks that, you know, establishment teachers have on Teach for America students is that too many of them, if not the majority, they're just in it for the resume builder. They're Mm -hmm. not actually going to stay in education. Is that something that you found to be true or Um, have most of those people... Are most of those people now two years in, staying within it?
1: Well, I think that like I had that reservation going into it as well, mm-hmm. and you know I'm staying in the classroom for a third year, sure. Um, and a lot of my friends are, but some of my friends are not. Mm-hmm. They're teach for America, and I think that that question in some ways isn't completely fair because I know with Teach for America Memphis, I can't speak for other mm-hmm. regions because only my experience. Yeah. Um, even if it's just for those two years that that teacher is in that classroom, if that Teach for America teacher is in that classroom for those two years, mm-hmm. then there's a long-term sub or there's no one in that classroom. And at least they're getting education and also you're having these people that have had this experience of teaching in a Title One classroom, going into the business world or politics or literally anything, academia. Right. Having had that experience of knowing the importance of reshaping title one education in our country so that all kids have access to a great education. Mm-hmm. And with that, having had that experience, they'll be able to advocate for that. So I think even if someone is going in there knowing they're not gonna teach right. for a, the rest of their life or they're gonna be, after two years, hey, they're gonna do their engineering degree or be a doctor, mm-hmm. maybe that doctor who did Teach for America for two years specializes in working in clinics that serve uh, underprivileged communities mm-hmm. or working with doctors without borders having had that experience so, yeah. and I think that's important because we need people that care about this issue of education in all aspects of society if we're going to make any changes in our education system
0: no and it's, it's a very valid point and I think you know it, it's a difficult issue because it, it almost you know toes the line between um, between working and saving, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and so it—it's it, like, uh, you know, you look at people who go on missions, yeah, and you, part of you thinks it's a wonderful thing that they're doing and they're making a significant impact. And uh, if they don't do it, no one's doing it. And like everything that you said, and then there's the other half where it's like. You know, it's not a tour. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's not it's not a thing that you get to say like, "Oh, here are the photos of me and these poor, yeah. you know, brown children that I, you know, saved," quote unquote. Um, and I think a lot of what you know, you and I have talked about in terms of your experience uh, really speaks to the depth and the sensitivity that, um, well, certainly you, obviously, mm-hmm. but a lot of your peers uh, have when it comes to you know, privilege and race being sort of parachuted into these communities. Yeah. Um, and, and you know working within that. How how did you find that transition to go?
1: Um I would say that in my experience mm-hmm. in Teach for America Memphis or in Memphis, I'd say 98% of my acquaintances that did have also did Teach for America with me in my mm-hmm. career have that have got that trainer have that feeling of this. There don't have this. I'm gonna go in and like save these kids, right? Um, and I think that going in that mentality is very problematic. Sure. Um, and you know it's problematic, and in a I lot don't. Of ways, yeah. And in my experience, it hasn't been that. Uh, which is in my experience has been really good. Yeah. Um, are there people like that? Probably. That do teach America for that reason. Sure. Yeah, but there are also people that teach not doing Teach for America for that reason. Yeah. They think they're going to go and save these kids. They've seen Freedom Riders or uh, mm-hmm. Stand and Deliver, and they just think that...
0: Ironically, by the way, Freedom Riders, uh, school I teach at. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a lot of, like, whenever I tell people, oh, I teach at Wilson, it's like, oh, Freedom Riders. I'm like, yeah, that one. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, so what is your role within Teach for America? What is your... Um, do you feel like any responsibility... For Teach for America, now that you are through the program, do do they ask you to come back? Do you volunteer to go back? How does uh, that work?
1: So, um, as of the end of this past school year, I'm mm-hmm. officially a Teach for America alumni. Mm-hmm. Um, Congrats! Thank you. Um, so now I'm just a teacher, Sure. Um, but I'm a Teach for America alumni, so I have that you know network of connections mm-hmm. that whether it's in Memphis or around the country, and it depends. They're like I. There's some people who who do like a third year core kind of thing. Uh, I have friends that are currently working in the institute that's happening this summer for the 2018 core members in Memphis. Um, There's some people that end up going on to work for Teach for America. But uh, the majority of people that stay in the classroom, they just, they're teachers. And um, like I know I'll always have that network and support mm-hmm. of Teach for America, especially my coaches I had. I know my coach had this year, if I you know, were to text her during this coming school year and say, hey, I need to talk, I need help with something going on in my classroom, she'd meet with me and be able that, to talk about that.
0: That's a really important thing to have for new teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, having someone that you know and that you trust that can sort of take you under their wing, You know, there are new teachers who all too often are just sort of uh, told, oh, I, I heard you learned how to swim, here's the ocean, yeah. <laughs> You know, we'll see you on shore. Uh, and so to have sort of that stabilizing force, because that's what, actually the question I was going to ask you is I was going to double back a little bit. Uh, so you have your institute where you teach for just like, a you know, an hour or two yeah. in a day uh, with a handful of kids who are usually the more interesting group of kids because they're there for summer school. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not necessarily there for um, perhaps the best reasons because they, you know, weren't achieving. They were you know, not focusing, whatever, whatever the case may be, some behavioral issues, maybe many behavioral issues. And so you're really just taken, uh, from nothing and thrown right into a sizzling hot frying pan to teach for two hours and make connections with kids. And that's sort of your breeding ground, your training to then say, okay, now you're ready to have your own classroom. Good luck. I'll see you at the end of the year kind of thing. Describe your first day in your own classroom.
1: (laughs) So, Um, there's this...
0: <laughs> How many times you call home? I don't know.
1: Yeah, the first day was uh, crazy. I'd say in the first week. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to think about that. That first like, month of school, of my teaching, I couldn't tell you exact details from all those days. Mm-hmm. I just blacked it out because it was that crazy. Uh, nothing prepares you mm-hmm. for that first day in a classroom. Nothing. Even if you got your master's before, even if you have a PhD in education and never taught in a classroom before, That first day in the classroom, nothing can repair you for that. Because it's kind of unlike anything I've ever done. Yeah.
0: I remember Uh, my first day, I was I I felt really nervous about introducing myself to the kids. (laughs) Because I was like, how do I... You know, it's just like, you you can't blow it. But also, like, you've never been called Mr. or Miss or Mrs. or whatever. And, you know, suddenly... You're sort of demanding it of these children. You're like, I'm a fraud. They're not going to, they're going to see right through me. I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, so, yeah. So the kids come in. How many students in a class?
1: So I, I had between basically between like 20 and 30 kids in each of my classes. Not bad. And I had five not classes. Bad. So, you know, kind of all history. Class all. Yes. History. yes. The first part of my first year was uh, all was uh seventh grade world history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oof. And. <laughs> Yeah. That's all, all the drama. And the first day was just, I, I, sh- I should remember, school. I like the first two classes went fine. Mm-hmm. Then I remember my third period. I was,
0: you started to wake up a little bit you're whoa. like, oh no. <laughs> and then
1: the sixth period, the like, last period of the day. Always. I just remembered th- I I should remember kids like actually jumping off the walls and I was <laughs> like, what is happening right now?
0: Well, it's the end of the day. It's yeah. still summer out and they've already had their sugary lunch. Mm-hmm. So they are ready to
1: go. Yeah. And that first, I'd say that first week, that first month of teaching was really hard. Like I said, I kind of can't tell you any specific details because it was, it was a doozy. Uh, and I think depending on someone's situation, where they're at, that month's going to be really easy, really hard for some people. I know it was kind of a honeymoon period and it was easy for me. It was kind of my kids just put me through the ringer yeah. uh, right away because not only are you getting to the kids, the kids are getting to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in a situation where maybe they haven't had teachers that st- stuck around for a long time, or
0: well, and maybe, they and they and they have yeah. something on you that you don't have, which is they are already a year into that school. Yeah, they know the score. They know what's going on. You mm-hmm. are just like I don't. I, I don't even remember where my mailbox is. You yeah, know exactly. I mean? like, <laughs> you're you're the newcomer, right? In more ways than one. Yeah. And so they're just they're going to push you mm-hmm. as far as you can. I you know I always tell new teachers there's going to be a point in any school year no matter how many years you've been teaching <laughs> where the kids are going to push and it's going to get to a point where you know one of us is going to break it's either going to be all y'all mm-hmm. or me and I'm yeah. going to tell you something it's not going to be me yeah <laughs> you know what I mean so it's it's that point where you're just like you're bending and bending and then you finally say no I, I'm not bending any further and then they just go oh okay I guess I guess they're here these mm. are the rules that's how it works
1: yeah um, so that was basically that you know it was crazy, but yeah.
0: And then you're yeah. also in a new city. Yeah. Getting uh, to know that area.
1: New city. Um, and it's pretty daunting. You know, I moved to a new city. I didn't know anyone when I moved mm-hmm. to Memphis. And I made some great friends uh, right off the bat. Uh, me and my roommate in Institute, we were just put in the same room because mm-hmm. we were both RO last names. And we ended up <laughs> being really close and ended up being one of my best friends in Memphis. Perfect. Um, so I made some really good friends, uh, mostly through Teach for America, which is also great because he had that community, uh, sometimes not so great because you end up just complaining about, you know, it's all you do, yeah. work all the time and work to have sure. friends. Um,
0: and that's what I was going to get to. So yeah. you, you're in a new city. You don't know anyone. You're in a new profession that you've, I mean, you've barely had any training <laughs> to work in. Uh, you, you're, you're doing your best to hold on in that instance. Uh, and then on top of all that you leave school and go right to master's classes that last for hours?
1: So um, in Memphis, in Tennessee, we actually have a different program. Um, So unlike in a lot of Teach for America regions, you don't have to be doing your master's while you're um, doing it because Teach for America in the state of Tennessee is a licensed credentialing program. Oh, So. um, how about that? (laughs) We had, my first year we had meetings think it was every week it might have been every other week i don't remember specifically uh but you have you your, it up. yeah you <laughs> have your like cohort that you meet with and um you are meeting with your coach and so ours was, so i was in the like secondary mm-hmm. you know history and english cohort and so there were like 20 people in it and we had a coach that came served us usually For me, it was a lot because I was struggling a lot my first year, Mm -hmm. um, and I asked her to come more often, Uh, but there were, you know, we'd have these meetings, and we'd discuss stuff and learn different techniques, and that was kind of our licensure program. So it's a little different in the state of Tennessee.
0: So you weren't getting your master's at the same time?
1: No. So in the state of Tennessee, you do not have to have your master's to teach. Um, You just have to be enrolled in a teaching credential program. Most teaching credential programs also have included master's. But in the city of Memphis, there's you know, uh, University of Memphis has teacher credential program. Uh, there are other universities and colleges there have them as well. There's Teach for America. There's MTR, which is Memphis Teachers Residency, which is similar to Teach for America, but it's a three year program instead of a two year program. Um, there are various ways to get your teacher's credential, and that's another thing is that because it varies in every state, transferring their credential, especially you know after the first two years, can be kind of difficult
0: yeah so you had mentioned earlier that you had asked your coach to come in a lot because you Mm. were you know you needed that extra help have you found that the people who ask for help tend to become better teachers or do you feel that the people who uh just sort of power through and figure it out like now that you've sort of been on both sides of that
1: Speaking, I don't know if I really speak for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've, I've been, especially since college, I've been some, someone that kind of doesn't have a lot of shame in asking for help. Sure. Um, you know, sometimes it sucks to ask for help, but, or I know I'm someone that if I don't ask for it, mm-hmm. it might not happen. So um, I ask for help a lot, uh, especially in my first year. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's good because you're sort of modeling that with your students, right? You know, you yeah. always want them to be able to ask you if they don't understand something. Yeah, You're know, like, look, like I ask all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like
1: not. So, um, and because also during my first year, I got switched, my subject, I got switched from seventh grade world history to eighth grade math. It was in the uh, middle of your first yeah, year? Yeah, it was a month, uh, about <laughs> six, seven weeks into the school year. Oh my God. So. Um, Welcome
0: to education. You're a history major. Here's a new school, a new city. Uh, you getting comfortable? Good. Uh, now you're going to do math. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. So you taught. Pre-algebra, I'm assuming?
1: Uh, yeah, kind of. It was just a math support class. So okay. my classes are much smaller. Um, and the eighth grade class I had my first year, they were am- just an amazing group of kids. Yeah. like A really awesome group of kids, and I love them a lot. It still drove me crazy, but I love them sure. a whole lot.
0: What prompted the switch? Was it a school thing? Yeah, a school thing. So what happened?
1: Um, Basically is that we had to have a, what's called a math foundation, which is a math support class teacher. And we had... Already had like two. We had, I was teaching all seventh grade for world history, and then we had one teacher that had a sixth, seventh split. And the sixth grade um, had a smaller amount of students. And so they moved him to seventh grade and then moved me to eighth grade math foundations or math support because mm-hmm. they didn't have a teacher for that so it was just a sub. Um, and then that's basically why I got switched. And because I had. Uh, credential in like middle school general subject through my practice mm. test. I was able to teach any subject in middle school.
0: How many uh, teachers total at your school?
1: I want to say between 20 and 30. I don't know the exact number.
0: Okay, so it was, I mean, a sizable school, yeah, right? Size- yeah,
1: one of the larger middle school.
0: How was how turnover at the school?
1: The first year was kind of crazy. Really? Um, yeah, we had... So we had two teachers that joined later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and Because what happened earlier? Because this, we didn't have teachers. For the oh, so season. you just had subs to start yeah. the year? Oof. And then we had, then um, so like my math foundations class. Didn't, they wasn't, didn't even exist before. Right, right. And then um, around like January, we had like two or three long-term subs. And then by the end of the year, we only had one classroom. We had a long-term sub. Or maybe we had all our classrooms full, but... I can't really remember. There wasn't a long time we had every single position full filled.
0: My, my again, going back to my first year, I because hearing all this is just bringing up yeah. all these memories. I from the let's say December of the first year at my, in my new, at my school to December in my second year at the school, we had gone through twenty-two teachers. Wow, that had come and gone. And when I tell you that that school only had 18 teachers (laughs) at total, I mean, it was just Mm -hmm. we lost the entire sixth grade team. We lost two eighth grade teachers uh, in one semester. It was just like one after the other. And you sit there and you're like, I have been here a year and a couple of months and Mm -hmm. I am the second most senior person at this school. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, And I can only imagine that sort of feeling, you know, you're new and you're hoping to have you know some some veterans there to help you and it just it's you're you're in the foxhole yeah. you know
1: well i will say that at my school that i was at um i had some really amazing veteran teachers that uh, right. helped mentor me um uh, like they were really amazing and mm-hmm. they really uh looked out for me and um tried to help me as much as they could which sure. was really amazing um, and they let me come and observe their classrooms during my planning period and gave me tips and they knew I was really struggling with the behavior management. So they come to my classroom and, you know, talk to kids for me that they had better relationships with. Um, so
0: when did you start to feel like the behavior management was coming around? <laughs>
1: um, so I had this kind of honeymoon period in my eighth graders, the first like month and a half I had them like October mm-hmm. and November. It was just like. This is great. Like, I can teach math. I'm so good sure. at this. When I was teaching, you know, neg- adding and multiplying and dividing and subtracting negatives, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, I still kind of struggled with in my own math skills. Yeah. Um, and about right after Thanksgiving, there's like, you have it like those two weeks after Thanksgiving before winter break. Yep. And it was just, ooh, the kids kind of got a little crazy. Yeah. Um, and that was hard. And uh, even... Call though that it,
0: burnout season. Yes. Yeah. Sure.
1: And, and it kind of... Continue, like, January was fine. Then February for me, February was the hardest month. It was the longest, Always. shortest month of the year.
0: And it's... it's Again, it's the, the great, gray beast of February mm-hmm. that I've written about before, where it just... You sit there and you look behind you and you see all the winter break is behind you. Yeah. <laughs> and you look ahead and you're like, I can't even see spring break ahead of me. <laughs> and the weather is changing. The kids are, uh, as they say in the Bambi movie, they're Twitter pated, you know, especially <laughs> in middle school where they're just like, you know, they're either crying or yelling or trying to make out with one another. And you're just like, oh, I don't know what is happening yeah. and I need to get out of here.
1: Yeah. And then that, that first year was interesting. Cause I didn't realize like the eighth graders would be as checked out as they were towards mm-hmm. the end of the year, but they were cause they're going to high school next year. They are going to new schools and they kind of checked out a little bit. And, um, because I think, in kind of seeing my how I did it, I also took out a little bit, too, because I was teaching something I wasn't comfortable with. Sure. Um,
0: how did you turn it around?
1: Um, at the end of the year, we kind of, we did end-of-the-year projects, mm-hmm. and we did, in my class, we did the kids in math, raps, songs, or poems, and with that, we kind of turned it around. So, last month of the year of my first year was really awesome, because we got yeah. into that, and I think it's just like, those kids were really great, and... They even though they drove me crazy and gave me a hard time, like they still really, like I, they really cared about me and I really cared about them. Um, and uh, what really I think pushed me through the end of my first year was I um, also was volunteered uh, to, to coach the. Um, <laughs>
0: that, by the way, yeah. that that should be on every contract uh, for every teacher ever everywhere yeah. that you will have children, you will have to teach content, and you will be volunteered. At least once a week for the rest of
1: your life. Yes. Congratulations. on yeah. to education. <laughs> <laughs> so I was voluntold to coach the uh, boys' soccer team. And um, I played soccer when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, played intramural soccer in college, um, you know, you know, fall of 2014 and 2015. No, fall of 2015 um, and 2014, I guess. Yeah, two years in a row, intramural champions. Um, and so I had some soccer knowledge. And um, at least I thought I did, and just I had none. <laughs> uh, I learned kind of quickly.
0: Kids were like, "No, no, this is how you do it." Yeah.
1: So I had three kids that were really good and really great, and they I formed really close relationships with them, and that was really brought me back every day. Was that soccer team, and we ended up making it to the uh, city semifinals, where uh, we lost in overtime, which was tragic.
0: Heartbreaking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sure. But uh, those but you kids, have that you have that bond now. Yeah.
1: Are still I still have really close bond with them. Sure. Um, like One of them this year, when I was coaching soccer, he came to my practices like every day to coming out with us. And then so nice, now he's in high school, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, they're all in high school now. Um, and then another kid who I uh came, went to one of his games, and we're still really close. Um, it's really nice. So, I those are just really awesome. And kind of those little things, it's the little wins that really sure. kept, kept me going and still keep me going. So,
0: your second year, much better than your first, smoother.
1: Um, in some ways, <laughs> in some I'd ways. say it started out smoother. Um, I had my systems, I was like going with it, and sure. uh, I started to struggle when I saw that my data wasn't where I wanted it to be. Mm. And I think I focused too much on it, uh-huh. which like happens. And, um, you know, the tests that we took were kind of were made by our district, and so mm-hmm. they were difficult tests. Yeah, And um, my behavior management struggles kind of came back. And uh, that's kind of like with the content and the lesson planning, like. I'd say I'm gonna have that down pat. Like, that's easy for me at this sure. point. Uh, but it's kind of like my first year over again because I was teaching different subjects. I mm-hmm. technically hadn't really taught world history because the first two weeks of the school year, really the first month of the school year, is just teaching the kids how to be in your classroom. Right. Um, and not much content gets done. And so my experience of world history in the first year wasn't that much. And so my second year was kind of like a first year all over again, which was hard. Um, I don't think I got the results I wanted, but I definitely learned a lot. Um, Yeah.
0: I always say it takes two full years to work the kinks out. and mm -hmm. By your third year is when you start to feel like you're really clicking on on all cylinders. You know, your first year, you're sitting there, you're you're making it up as you go. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And by the end of your first year, you sit there and you go, okay, now I, I kind of know what doesn't work, mm-hmm. so now I have all these ideas that will I think will work because now I know what doesn't work and why it doesn't work. And then you go in your second year, and you do all the things, and you sit there and you go, oh, I, I know I I know kind of what works, but I also know why yeah. the things that I thought would work didn't work or why they didn't work at that order. Yeah. And by the time you get to your third year of anything, whether it's teaching, uh, art, whatever it is, living in a city you start to you really hitting your stride and you're starting to figure it out. And one of the hardest things, especially for a new teacher is, you know, you start and you feel like, okay, I'm growing, I'm getting there. And then you're set back when they say, Oh, we're going to actually have you teach a different subject altogether. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, it's exactly right. You're like a first year teacher all over again. And that happens no matter how many years you've been teaching, you can be teaching 10 years
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they give you a new subject. And you end up feeling like a new teacher all over again in a lot of ways because you're like, okay, well, I've got my, you know, my systems, my behavior management. But at the same time, I just feel like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing Mm -hmm. with these lessons. Like I, I used to be good at this. Um, and so it, you know, that, that is something that will come up and it sounds like you're really reflective, which is a really, really important skill to have as a teacher. And, uh, you know, and the fact that you care and you keep coming back, I think that's, uh, you know, you're 90% there, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so you are now, you are, you. You have elected to stay in Memphis. Yes. Because you love the city so much, you love the school that you were at so much. Um,
1: I. So I was trying to maybe move back to LA, teach here, mm-hmm. and that didn't really pan out. Um, and I am still don't really know what my future holds. Sure. Whether staying in education or going into academia or doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. Don't really know right now. Um, but I decided that I want to teach her a third year because I felt like that, um, that first year was kind of just, a, you know, yeah, really crazy. Sure. Didn't really know what was going on. And I kind of wanted to see, you know, how I can improve and maybe better at this. So I'm actually moving to a different school, a uh, smaller charter school so that I can, um, uh, work on those skills that I want to improve on and, just, and see how it goes.
0: Nice. Well, uh, I, I mean, I can't believe that you are going into three years post college. Uh, that's crazy. Um, I feel about a thousand years old. So thanks for that. But um, yeah, man, I'm really proud of you, and uh, just you know, keep on keeping on. And uh, you know, whether you decide to stay in education, you'll get there because, like I said, the reflective practices and caring the way you do mm-hmm. that's that's gonna carry you. And if you don't uh, decide to stay in education, it sounds like this experience, if anything, has really broadened your view on the world and you will be able to leave a more positive mark on the world for it. And that's all we can really ask for. And I know that's kind of sappy to say, (laughs) but, you know, I'm feeling a little sappy. I got a former eighth grade student sitting right in front of me, (laughs) grown ass man talking about education. So, um, yeah, congratulations. And uh, you're going to do some games?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. All right, so we're going to start with our first game here. Okay. It's
1: uh, it's not so
0: much a game as much as a sort of living fantasy. That sounded way dirtier than I meant <laughs> it to. And uh, we're just going to move right along. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll edit it out. Uh, it's called Build a School. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got Build a Bear. I have a two-year-old, loves herself, uh, some Build a Bears. Uh, basically, the idea is you can... You have a school. Mm-hmm. It's the Jacob Roeder School. Uh, I don't know why they've named a school after you. have been a teacher for two years, but hey, <laughs> this is this is your world we're living in it, and you can redesign any one element of a school. Okay. What would it be? It could be something as uh, you know, system uh, systematic, like no detentions, or it could be something structural, like water slides in the hallways. Anything you want is fair game. What? Is it that you are going to redesign?
1: Okay, so the one thing um, that I redesign is that uh, testing is not as high stakes as it is. Oh, because um, you know I can you know pick anything I want. Yeah. And uh, in this world, you know, testing still exists. So it's important to know how to take tests and write essays. But um, product-based learning is also really highly valued. Mm. And so, um, instead of instruction, kind of just going teaching to the test uh the test isn't as important and there's more focus on you know learning through doing and experiencing and I think that's important because uh when I got to college I went to small liberal arts school so everyone's marriage is different but and I was a history major which Mm -hmm. is different from other majors but I had one history class in my entire four years of college where we took tests
0: Oh, I thought you were about to say you had one history class. I was like, that is a terrible school. Yeah. What school is this? History major with one history class?
1: So I think that it's important to know how to express what you've learned without sure. taking a test and bubbling in answers. Because multiple choice, as my mom calls it, multiple guess, is not mm. always the best display of someone's knowledge of something.
0: And it's also not something you're going to encounter all that frequently. You know, you no. take a driver's test. Okay? Maybe. Uh, maybe, and, you know, with, with Uber and Lyft, that's not really a thing as much anymore, but, uh, yeah, there aren't, you know, yeah, of course you take, uh, MCATs and the bar and all that, but, uh, generally speaking in life, you're not going to just encounter one test after the other. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's great. I, uh, I'm all about PBL and, uh, I, I will, I will definitely come and work for you at, at that school. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna move on to our next game here. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not a game. I really need to work on my phrasing. I don't know why I keep calling them games. It sounds more fun, but uh, segment. Yeah. Next segment is gonna be uh, your best teacher story, and you've been extremely honest and open yeah. here, which is uh, wonderful because it. So many teachers are really reticent to share, you know, their struggles and mm-hmm. um, the areas where you know so publicly displaying their areas for growth. Uh, which has been wonderful, but now is your moment to shine. Tell us what is your best teaching story
1: mm. okay <laughs> so um i 'm go- so this student uh who I had this past year who uh she 's very smart, brilliant mm-hmm. but just never did her work ever like drove me crazy in class sure. drove me crazy just you know, anything that you can imagine a student doing to drive your case in class. She did it. And, What's uh, her first name Sarah.
0: Okay. So okay. there's, there's Sarah's yeah. everywhere. You're going to go Yeah. <laughs> teaching everywhere. Yeah. At uh, least one. If you yeah. only have one, you're good to go.
1: Yeah. So, um, Sarah, <laughs> was, you know, was, you know, wild, wild kid. And, uh, she kind of drove me crazy all year. And, um, during teacher appreciation week, um, I had like, I had during my she was in my advisory, and during my advisory, I was just like, okay, everyone's just gonna write like five little notes to teachers in the building, and I'll get pass them out. And they were just like, okay, and they're writing in their notes, and she gives me, like, so here, Mr. Roe, this one's for you. And I opened it, and it just says, thanks for putting up with me. Aww. And it was just, yeah, then,
0: I don't know what's sweeter the note or the fact that she calls you Mr. Rowe
1: <laughs> <laughs> but and then so, and it was just, it was, it was kind of was like, oh, she gets it. Yeah. And like after that, the last like two weeks, of the three weeks of the year, she was just like great in my class, but it was just, really sweet. Yeah.
0: And you know, and it's, you learn as you go along with edu- in education that you are going to have kids that will push you and push your buttons, mm-hmm. do everything they can to push you away to see if you will eventually give up. Yeah. And once they come to realize that you're not going anywhere, then, then, you know. They might as well, you might as well adopt them because they will love you (laughs) forever. You know what I mean? Uh, I had a student who, you know, he just, oh my God, this is a, it's two years ago. I just was like, would not do any of his work. Just was just such a goofball. Wouldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh God, no, it was last year. Oh man, I'm already so old that I can't keep track (laughs) of my ages. Uh, And he, you know, and I went up to him and I was like, Arturo you know, you must love my class so much that you're not going to do any of this work and you're not going to pay attention. You're going to end up having me as a teacher again next year. Is that really what you want? Whenever I give feedback like that, by the way, I always do it with a smile on my face to make sure I don't feel too bad. But I do that and and he goes, yeah, kind of. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) like, buddy, that's really nice of you, but no, like get the heck out of my class. (laughs) Move on. And then, you know, I see him in the hallways now and he's just like, it's amazing what a difference a year mm-hmm. makes. Oh, yeah. hello, Mister West. How are you doing today, sir? I'm like, who are you? Where was that boy who like could not stop, you know, yeah. hitting himself with the book to make every kid in the room laugh? Uh, and they grow up, but it's still yeah. You'll, it's you'll still, keep it's that little, in your heart. yeah, little wins. It's nice, yeah. And you and you'll remember that when it's uh, yeah. when it, when it when it's a uh, you remember when you have your rough days for sure. Yeah. All right, we are almost at the home stretch here. We have one final. And I'm not going to call it again this time. Okay. <laughs> one final segment called "Teach Yourself," based on the wonderful "Treat Yourself" of Parks and Rec. Yeah, uh, you know we all have our things. I I am a lover of tea. Uh, it's it's my one luxury item that I don't feel bad about getting. And whenever I'm having a really good day, I reward myself with like a really good cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm having a bad day, I reward myself with a really good cup of tea uh it's just something that makes me feel good it, it it soothes my soul it uh makes me feel happy and super centered everyone has that mm-hmm. teachers more than anyone i know need it what's your thing
1: um <laughs> so this one's not real lame but uh um, <laughs> when i'm just when I need is it is
0: it is it more lame than a cup of tea
1: <laughs> no maybe, no uh, maybe maybe um when I, when I have one of those days i have two things i do um one my like for a while uh my thing was to watch uh, criminal minds on netflix um because I can just zone out on watching sure. that show that's one thing and then recently i've noticed that something that really helps me just kind of find my center is uh cooking sure. oh. um i've gotten really into just, to cooking um watch a lot of like cooking videos on youtube and follow some you know instagram chefs which i guess is you know kind of weird but who's your favorite follow um there's this (laughs) he's on a made called frankie salenza and he just has really great recipes and i've made a few of them um if you ever look at my instagram you'll see a few of those pictures of recipes i've made um and they've been a big hit um with uh, my friends and my girlfriend, uh, they really like my cooking. So nice. uh, I've that cooking is kind of. So whatever, apologies
0: so. to the audience, but we're going to get real inside for a second. Uh, y- do you follow Lindsay?
1: From like my middle school class? Yeah. No, I haven't, I haven't spoken to
0: her. She, long she time. so Lindsay has a massive cooking Instagram following.
1: Really? It is crazy. It's I like have like no idea.
0: Many, many thousands. Uh, yeah, she's. It, it, it's, cra- it's like it's crazy to see all of you and I, forgive me all of you kids mm-hmm. like growing up and blossoming into these like fully formed highly successful wonderful people who are making a difference in the world like you who are putting out uh, you know content on Instagram that thousands of people are yeah. following um, yeah I'll probably cut all that out what's your favorite dish that you cook Ooh, boy. Because um, like, there's got to be a favorite meal that you're like, Ugh, this is a really bad day, so I'm going to make myself this. Or or I had an awesome day. I've earned this.
1: I really like just experimenting with different things uh, and like cooking new things. Uh, the things that have been the biggest hit, I guess, with other people because Shit. it's really fun for other people yeah. because when they're like, wow, this is really good. You're like, yeah, I made that. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm good at something. It's
0: almost like when you've made a really great lesson yeah. and the kids are really into it, and you're like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you made that exactly yeah. it's a,
1: yeah, maybe that's why I like it so much I knew it
0: needed a little bit more salt yeah. I knew it needed a little bit more group work
1: I just knew it <laughs> um, so I make this uh, chicken with like dried fruit and like wine and like orange juice and stuff it's Fancy. really good um, and it's a big hit with a lot of people um, yes. um, yeah it's kind of, I guess it's my favorite thing to cook but I really just like experimenting cooking new things because it's kind of like you can to do whatever you want and Usually it turns out good, sometimes it doesn't. Kind of just like teaching, I guess. That's
0: right. Perfect, love it. All right, so uh, it's about that time to Mm -hmm. say goodbye, which makes me very sad, because I like catching up with you. Uh, But the last thing I want you to do for the listeners Mm -hmm. is why don't you give our listeners a homework assignment, something something that they can do between now and the next time they listen to this show. What's a homework assignment you can give our listeners between now and next week?
1: I would say um, even I would say, even if you cook regularly at home or you don't, I'd say find a recipe online that looks really good. Even if you think you're not a good cook, try and make that because all it takes is starting that one recipe that you really like to get you really into cooking or really into making. Is there like
0: a gateway sort of genre of food?
1: I'd say that like pasta is kind of a, it's not, pasta isn't easy to make, but it's something like when you're making a sauce, it's kind of easier to do. Um, To develop a... Yeah, to develop a good flavor in that. um, And so that's easy. Um, Another thing is anything that you can put in the oven is super easy because you just chop a bunch of stuff up, put it in a pan, and it usually comes out good. So make one fancy to treat yourself with one fancy meal home-cooked meal a home-cooked meal
0: sure all right so there it is this is really great uh i'm so glad you came all the way down yeah. here and gave up uh part of your free time before you go back to <laughs> memphis and uh yeah man i'm really proud of you you're just like a grown-ass man it's hard, <laughs> Thanks, to, yeah. hard to imagine that i was you know god how old was i when i knew uh, we'll say that <laughs> yeah. i was young <laughs> And now here we are. I am still about the same age, and you are a good 10 years older. Yeah. And uh, congrats, man. Good to see you. Thank you. you. Take it Thank easy. you. All right. Okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my very special guest, my former middle school student, Jacob Roder, And thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. Now, I know I've asked this before, but if you wouldn't mind... Please go right to the podcast homepage on Apple Podcasts and give my show a five-star rating and a little comment about why you love the show so much. And remember, if you do, you get your hamster back without a single hair harmed. But if you don't, well, you could just say goodbye to Mr. Wiggle Nose. Also, don't forget that next week is our mini-pod show, a.k.a. teacher time, a.k.a. conference period pods, a.k.a. I'm still not convinced I found a name better than mini-pod, and I'm not convinced I even like mini-pod to begin with. You'd think that in the era of Trump I'd have bigger issues to deal with, but honestly, I'm just a simple man, and I'm fixated on giving an arbitrary name to the subcategory of short length bi weekly podcasts. <sighs> it is not easy being me. And on that note, that's all for this week. Podcast dismissed.